Fatalism. It's that philosophy that whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Most criminals adopt that philosophy as they continue to break the law. Hell, you have to. The longer you break the law, the more apparent it is that things are going to go south, that law enforcement is closing in, that it only ends one way, behind bars. If a criminal were to actually stop and consider that fact of life and the incoming consequences, there's no way they would keep breaking the law. They'd be too stressed. They'd be scared shitless, too worried about what was coming to do any good at the job at hand. That's where fatalism comes in. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Put it in the hands of whatever God might be listening. Let him or her decide that outcome, because criminals, we got shit to do. And I was no different, and the members of Shadow Crew were no different. We knew law enforcement was all over us. Members were being arrested. IP addies of local state, federal law enforcement agencies were pinging us daily. We had text messages of the Secret Service investigating us, and more, and much more. My second in charge had gotten popped. Then Big Buyer had gotten popped. And then that idiot Scripton company over at Carter Planet hadn't told me that BOA had gotten popped. And I was almost arrested because of that little detail being left out. Oh yeah, anyone paying attention knew things were going south. But we had a business to run. And if we stopped to consider how it was all going to go in the end, there was no way we could keep on running that business. So we became fatalist, and we kept on trucking. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast, where we visit the darkest corners of our online lives. I'm your host, Brett Johnson. The United States Secret Service called me the original Internet Godfather. Now, what does it take to get a title like that? 39 felonies, a place on the United States Most Wanted list, an escape from prison, and I built the first organized cybercrime community, Shadow Crew. Shadow Crew was a precursor to today's darknet and darknet markets, and it laid the foundation for the way modern cybercrime channels still operate today. This first season of the Anglerfish podcast tells of my rise and fall as the world's first internet godfather. It's a fascinating story. You'll learn how cybercriminals think, how modern cybercrime came into being, and why it's so successful and hard to stop, and how I was able to turn from a life of crime to one of using the knowledge I acquired as a criminal to help protect others against the type of person I used to be. Let me ask you this, Brett. You mentioned something about wanting to get into passports, but that was somehow thwarted by an awful chain of events what 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 was that all about so what was that all about my my thing the way i was leading my life i got to the point where i was scared to let to death to use my name so i was all about always trying to come up i actually wanted a different social security number so i could keep using the brett johnson name and not be tracked by law enforcement you use that name a lot a lot a lot and i was i got scared of of brett johnson being arrested Mm -hmm. So I wanted a different social security number so I could keep using the, the name Brett Johnson. And that finally turned into me wanting a passport as well. And I got to the point where I wanted multiple passports, multiple identities, as well as just the Brett Johnson name with a new passport on it. Like a 
TV double knot spy. Exactly, exactly. Because I figured at some point that I would need to go on the run. Or I might need to, and I might need to just hide my identity for the rest of my life. So right. I wanted all these different identities. And people knew that about me. I mean, everyone on the forum knew that I was constantly looking for that way to create new identities. So what happens is we were being pinged all the time by that point by law enforcement. We had that CVV-1 breach that I'd spoken about earlier, and we were cashing out a lot of money, a lot of money. Law enforcement was pinging the site daily. We had IP addresses from every government agency that you could ever imagine. We were being discussed on law enforcement websites. We had obvious law enforcement members on the forum, and you'd kick them off and they'd, just re they'd sign up under a different name. So, I mean, they were all over the place. Plus, my, my people were being arrested. Not only that, but over on Carter Planet, Script and Company. So when we had a bust, if someone on our site was arrested, what I would typically do is I would shut down the forums, I would scrape or delete all the data that they had posted, any messages they had posted, I would delete that, and then I would tell the community, hey, this person has been arrested, and I would ban that username from that point to try to protect the community. My mistake was thinking that the Ukrainians would do the same thing, that they would be as upfront. So we got word that a couple of people had been arrested in Cyprus, and they were being charged under the Patriot Act, all right, which is kind of concerning. Right. <laughs> so, but we were never told who those two people were. We just assumed they were low-level carters that were arrested in Cyprus cashing out. All right. So one day, I get a message from BOA guy named Roman Vega, he sold credit card dumps. And I've talked about what a, a dump is and everything. So he sold credit card dumps. I was his sole United States seller of credit card dumps. You went two places to buy BOA dumps. You went to his website, BOA Factory, or you went to Brett Johnson using the screen name Gollum Fund. That's the only place you could buy those dumps. All right, so I was his sole provider outside of his website. He gets me on one day on ICQ, and he was like, Gollum. I want to go into the passport business. I'm like, dude, you do you. And he's like, can you review me for pass passports? And I'm like, you've got passports now? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, can you fly on them? And he's like, man, they are issued by the state. You can fly on them. And I'm like, no shit. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I'll tell you what. Yeah, send me one. I'll review it. So he's like, I need a drop address. I'm like, okay. So I give him a drop address. Now, the drop address I gave, I was I hadn't purchased a house yet. I was living in an apartment on the Ashley River in Charleston, South Carolina. Right. The apartment was in it was at the back end of a neighborhood. You had to come through the neighborhood to to get to the main highway and everything else. I picked a drop address that was right next to the main highway as you were exiting that neighborhood. I knew what time. I knew the uh, the, the delivery company was going to be DHL. I knew what what time DHL usually arrived in the neighborhood to deliver packages. So I gave him that drop address and waited for it. So the day of delivery, I'm anxious, man, because I'm like, finally, I got some passports. You know, finally, they're not only counterfeit passports, they're real passports that I can use. And here's the thing, you know, a passport is the grail. If you get a passport, you have it made as far as identity goes. So day of delivery, I'm anxious as hell and everything. I'm up at, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning, even though the delivery is not going to be until like 1.30. I'm up at 7 a.m., you know, bouncing off the walls, ready for it. So about 11 o'clock, I'm like, man, I just can't sit around here anymore. So I get in my car, start, you know, driving through the neighborhood, looking for the DHL driver. I drive up and down the highway and everything. And finally, I just park at a shopping complex right down the street and sit my happy ass there and wait. So 
about 1.30, I never see the DHL driver. I'm like, man, what the hell's going on? So I'm like, okay, maybe I missed him someplace. Maybe he came, came in a different route or something like that. So I fire up the car, drive down to the drop address. As I get to the drop address, every law enforcement officer on the planet is at that address. Probably 30 of them. Which, considering the way I was arrested later on, is not out of the norm. <laughs> so there were probably 30 of these people. And I'm sitting there going, that's odd. <laughs> so yeah. I quietly drive on by, go to the apartment, and don't say a word. Get online, try to contact BOA, no response. A week later, Script gets me online on ICQ, and he informs me that BOA has been arrested. My question is, is when was he arrested? Well, you know, it's those two Cypress guys that we mentioned. My thing was, is... Okay, and you didn't think that you needed to tell someone that one of them was your second in charge for Carter Planet that got popped? And he was like, well, you know, I did, nobody's business but ours. And I was like, dude, I almost got arrested for this bullshit. So he's like, well, you owe, you owe us some money. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I, owe, I do what? He's like, well, you, you partnered with BOA, right? And I was like, yeah, I partnered with BOA. BOA is not you. He's like, well, you've got all these dumps of his. You owe us some money. I was like, no, I owe BOA some money. And when he gets out, I'll pay him if we don't, all don't go to prison before that. So Script and I had a little bit of a tiff going on there. But the, the lesson learned from that is, is that while you may be practicing great OPSEC, that's what they call it these days, you may be practicing great OPSEC with your criminal activity, that doesn't mean that, that all these other idiots are either. And that is what ends up getting you arrested. That's what happened with Albert Gonzalez. That's what caused the fall of Shadow Crew, Carter Planet, Carter's Market, everything else across the line. And that's that was the story, man. So I, at that point, it feeds into that fatalism. You know, I knew, I knew things were going bad, and had to keep trucking because you got to make money. I mean, hell, you got to make money, but you're not going to stop breaking the law, right? So <laughs> you got to make money, and that feeds into to to El Mariachi. El Mariachi was a con man, a straight con man, had very little technical skill whatsoever. He was out of Nebraska, on the run out of Nebraska, found Shadow Crew, or actually it was Counterfeit Library when he found us, found Counterfeit Library, and basically comes to us hat in hand, I don't have any money, please God help me. Well, say one thing about criminals, unless you're a sociopath, you adopt this kind of Robin Hood mentality. Steal from the rich, give to the poor. So here, his name was David Thomas, El Mariachi. So here David is coming to us. I am broke. I'm, I'm starving to death. That was the line he gave us. I don't have any food, don't have any money. I'm on the run. Please, God, help me. So we, us having that Robin Hood mentality, we take up a collection for the son of a bitch. Send it to him by Western Union so he can eat. Send him like, I don't know, $1,300, $1,400. That's what we sent him. So we sent him that money. He becomes a member of the website. <laughs> and starts bugging me. Understands that I'm the I'm the top dog there, so he decides he's going to try to get in there. And I, I befriend the guy. I do. I befriend him. The problem with David is, is he was a conspiracy theorist. And when I say conspiracy theorist, he was the guy that believes that jet fuel melts metal beams. <laughs> you know, or whatever that line is that they give these days. So he was that guy. You know, the, the government's evil. The aluminum foil hat. And the aluminum foil hat, out. Roswell, everything else. He was okay. that guy. And he let it out all the time. All the time. He kept bugging me for work. 
and I was not about to partner with him because I just didn't trust him. I didn't. He he wasn't skilled. By that point, I'm very skilled as a criminal. He was not. But I had all kinds of contacts. So the first contact I had that I hooked him up with was a guy named Chameleon. K H A M. That was the spelling yeah. of that. His name was Chameleon. He was a carter. And he needed someone to receive product, is what he needed. So I was like, look, man, I've got somebody that will receive product for you all day long. He's he's kind of transient right now. He'll move all over the place, get drop addresses, everything else. I'll teach him how to set up a drop address. He'll receive the product. You just cut him in on something. He'll send you the profits from it. So Cam was like, yeah, let's do that. I was like, all right. So I tell David that he's going to be working with, with Chameleon and to see how that goes, and I'll see about getting him a better position later on. So what Chameleon was doing was he, he was hitting the U.S. Treasury websites, the one that sell the coin collections and all that, the bullion and all that stuff. So he was hitting those and having the bullion sent down. David Thomas would receive it, and what this idiot was doing was taking it directly to a pawn shop and <laughs> selling it at, you know, pennies on the dollar. And I'm sitting there going, dude, what the hell are you doing, man? You're getting this. You can sell it quickly at 80% of retail. Don't take it to a pawn shop. And his thing was, oh, man, I've got to. I need the money. I need the money. I was like, man, pawn shops track you. Do you have a fake driver's license? Well, no, not yet. I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> so he keeps going like that. And finally, Chameleon starts sending him electronics. So here David Thomas is taking laptop computers and a $3,000 laptop, you know, a Sony Vio. He's taking it into a pawn shop. It retails for three k New in the box is what it is. Brand new in the box. Never opened. And he's selling it to the pawn shop for six eight hundred dollars. I'm sitting there going, man, you're a fucking idiot. Well, that kept going until finally Chameleon is like, I can't work with this guy anymore. I'm like, all right. Meanwhile, David's like, man, is there anything you can do? Is there anything you can do? And I was like, man, I got, I'll give you one more chance. I've got a Ukrainian contact that he's needing somebody now. Well, that Ukrainian contact was a guy named Big Buyer, and I've mentioned him before. He did uh, this right. change of building, yeah. and it was all automated. So I was like, big buyer, can you help this guy out? He's, he's just learning. He's just getting started. Is there anything you can do? Well, big buyer loved me. He and I were pretty good friends. By the, and more than a so, we were criminal friends by this point. So he was like, Gollum, yeah, I'll see what I can do. Well, what he does, what this guy does, is he sends David Thomas enough money to go from Texas to Issaquah, Washington. He also sends David Thomas enough money to get the fake driver's licenses, the Microsoft little employee badge and everything else. Sent him the money to go to Issaquah and rent an office space is what he did. So David goes up there, rents the business office space. And the deal was his big buyer was going to card items directly to David, to that, to that address. David was going to resell the items on eBay. Then they were going to split the profits 60-40. 60% to big buyer, 40% to David. So big buyer p p places an order. Outpost.com. $18,000. $18,000, one order. It was the largest order that Outpost had ever seen at that point. Order goes through. Now, my second in charge, now David gets the product. My second in charge, Kim Taylor, and I've already talked about the way Kim came in, that you know things were kind of going south with my review system. I brought Kim in under my wing, made him my second in charge. He, he went by the screen name of MacGyver at that point. And I thought that Kim was, a, was an experienced criminal. Kim was not an experience, experienced criminal. What Kim was was he was well-read because he worked at a bookstore. He right. read all the damn spy novels and thought that he was Jason Bourne. 
So Kim has befriended El Mariachi, David Thomas, by this point in time. El Mariachi tells MacGyver, Hey, I just got $18,000 worth of bullshit from Outpost. I'm living at large. MacGyver gets me on ICQ. Hey, El Mariachi's making all kinds of money up there. And I'm like, well, he's doing okay. He's like, I want to go up there too and make money. I was like, man, you're making money. He's like, no, 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 no. I, I, want, I want to go. I was like, okay, I'll tell you what. Go, but be careful. So Kim gets in his Saturn, drives from Denver all the way up to Issaquah, Washington. Arrives in Issaquah like 1 a.m. in the morning. Him and David and David's girlfriend, I forget what was her name, Brenda or something, some shit like that. He, David, and the girl party all night long. Now, what partying consisted of, I don't know, but it was partying enough that they weren't they didn't do what they were supposed to do the next morning, which is this. We had a thing. We trained everybody to do this because at that point when we had when we used stolen credit card information, we had the credit card login. So what you would do is you would place an order using stolen credit card data. When that order was set to arrive, the morning it was set to arrive, you were supposed to go to that bank's website or that credit card login. You log in. If you can log in, that means that law enforcement has not notified the bank and the bank does not know that potential fraud is happening. So it's safe to go and pick up your package. If you cannot log in, by law, if the bank has been informed that there's potential fraud, they have to close the account. So if you cannot log in, you head your ass back to bed and you don't go to that drop address to pick up those electronics or whatever the hell you've had stolen. All right? Now, Big Buyer, unbeknownst to Kim and unbeknownst to David Thomas, Big Buyer had decided to hit Outpost.com again using the exact same drop address. <laughs> because say one thing about the Ukrainians, they can gather all the data in the world, but as far as really understanding how to commit those crimes and not getting caught, not so much. Mm -hmm. So, Big Buyer decides to place that second order with Outpost. The first order was $18,000, the second order $17,000. That first order was the largest order Outpost.com had ever, ever received at that point. That second order was the Those second largest order Outpost.com had ever seen. By this point, of, cor of course, Outpost knows that the first order is fraud. So they notify the Issaquah PD. Issaquah PD says, oh, really? Well, would you guys mind sending just some empty boxes to that drop address? And we'll pick these idiots up. So, it, so of course, Outpost says yes. They ship the empty boxes. Meanwhile... Kim and David Thomas have spent all night long partying. They wake up the next morning. They, of course, do not sign in to the credit card account at all. Meanwhile, no one has got their phone numbers. We've got their ICQ contacts. We don't have their phone numbers because we didn't do phone numbers. We just did instant messaging. Right. So, meanwhile, Big Buyer has me on the line on ICQ. Like, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning. Hey, Gollum, have you heard from David? Or Kim or anybody? And I was like, no, what's going on? Well, I placed this order and the credit card's been shut down and I need to make sure I tell them not to go to the drop address. <laughs> so here I am trying to find anybody that has contact information on my second in charge and this idiot, David Thomas. Can't find it, doesn't exist. 
So I'm contacting my the third guy in charge of Shadow Crew, Seth Sanders, went by the screen name of Kid. I'm like, Kid, it's going south real quick. This is not good today. So what happens is, is David Thomas, his girlfriend, Kim Taylor, David, David had a, a Cadillac, one of the old boat Cadillacs. I had a Cadillac. They all load into it, head down to the drop address. It's in an office complex, the facility, you know, parking lot and everything. As they're pulling into the parking lot, David Thomas sees this van and someone's sitting in the van, except they're not facing forward. The entire seat is turned sideways and the guy sitting in it is looking dead out of the driver's window. <laughs> he looks at Kim Taylor, says to him, that is an undercover officer. Kim, in his infinite Jason Bourne wisdom, he looks at him and says, Oh, no, you're imagining things. Go on down there. We'll get our stuff. So David's like, okay. Pulls up to the drop address. Kim looks at him. I'll go in and get it. He walks in, looks at the guy behind the counter. I believe you have some packages for me. The guy's like, yep, hold on just a second. That guy steps behind the counter, behind the wall, out pops the Issaquah PD, arrests Kim Taylor on the spot. Now, David Thomas is in the, in the car looking at all this shit. He decides now would be a good time to leave. <laughs> so he, he hightails it out of there, makes it to the interstate where they, of course, arrest him on the interstate. On the interstate. Get his... <laughs> I guess they've got him bent over the hood of the Cadillac. They pull his wallet out. They're looking through it. And not only does he have one fake ID. Oh, yeah. He's got three different fake IDs and his real driver's license. Oh. Yeah. So, of course, they all go to jail. David Thomas had outstanding warrants. Kim Taylor did not. Now, we could not bond David Thomas out. Kim Taylor, we bond him out immediately, put his ass on a bus to Utah to a buddy named Midhack that I was, that I was friends with. David Thomas, they bring him in. He's not in jail for an hour. For an hour. They bring him in for an interview. Even before he goes to jail, it's at the interview process. He looks at him. I want to talk to the Secret Service. They're like, why do you want to talk to the Secret Service? Exact words. Because I can give you a case involving millions of dollars, Russians, and everybody else. I want to talk to somebody. They don't believe him. <laughs> Well, it does seem like a tall tale for somebody that is that stupid. Yep, they don't believe him. So they throw his ass in a cell. <laughs> and what does he do? He goes ballistic. I want to talk to somebody. Get me the FBI. Get me the Secret Service. Get me somebody. I've got a case here. So after a day or so, after we get my second in charge out and on a bus... Someone finally goes in, talks to David Thomas, and they understand, oh, this guy has some contacts over at this site we've been looking at. Let's start using him. Well, they let his ass sit in jail for a few months, all right, to get a taste of it. And they finally bring him in as an operative, as an informant. Well, what happens is, the, the long story short of the, of the David Thomas thing, David, they get him out while he's been incarcerated, We've been able to pull, yes, we have. We've been able to pull the interview where he asks for law enforcement to come in. 
So we've actually got the notes <laughs> where, where he said, I can give you a case involving millions of dollars and all these Russians. And we post that shit. It goes into the weird thing about that is, and I used to say this, and I've said it before during this podcast, the perception of truth is much more important than the truth itself. We knew the guy was trying to rat on us. We knew the guy was a rat. But what you know and what you can skew as far as perception is two different things. So David comes out. He makes this website called The Grifters. And he it works. All the people who are experienced criminals, he's a fucking rat. But you know what? There was enough law enforcement there that were skewing that perception enough that it was always questioned. Is he really a rat? Or is it just, you know, they're mad at him? So it worked for David Thomas on that. Now, Kim, huh, we send his ass, or I get his ass sent to Midhack. Midhack was an ID maker, a very good one, in Utah. He actually consulted with Hollywood Studios on fake driver's licenses and stuff like that. Would create those types of documents for them. So I got up with Midhack and I was like, hey, can you house this guy for a while? Just keep care of him. He needs to be under the radar until we figure out what to do. Midhack's like, send him. I was like, okay. Now at the same time, and this is where everything gets convoluted. <laughs> at the same time, I had a buddy in Los Angeles. His name was his screen name was Poof I Be Gone. Yeah. <laughs> his real name was Larry Ruda. All right. Now Larry, I was very naive about drug addicts. My rule for Shadow Crew was no drugs, no child porn, no counterfeit currency, ever. Well, of course we allowed counterfeit currency. Later on we allowed drugs. The only thing we stuck by was no child porn. Larry was a meth head. And I didn't understand what a meth head was at that point. All right. So when Larry told me, oh, I've quit that. I'm not on, I'm, I'm completely cured. I'm not an addict anymore. I believe that bullshit. Well, Larry had lost his home. His mom had died. And she had left the house to Larry. Larry had subsequently lost the house. They, they sold it at auction. So he got some money from that. Not enough money so that he could continue living in Los Angeles. So he decides he's going to take all of his belongings because he was born in Savannah. He was going to take all of his belongings and put it in a truck and drive from Los Angeles to Savannah. Cross country. Cross country. And I'm like... Going back to Georgia. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm in Charleston. That'll put him in Savannah. I'll have a buddy. We'll be all right. I can show him how to do this. We'll make some money because by this point, I'm doing tax return identity theft stealing $160,000 a week. And I'm like, I can do this. So he gets in, in the yellow rider truck. He makes it to Denver and decides he's going to just camp out in Denver some. So he's there in Denver. At the same time, there's this kid named Nigel. He shows up on Shadow Crew as a scammer, and he's scamming all of my members. Now, I had this thing. If somebody came into Shadow Crew and they scammed members... The first thing I would do is I would make sure that the members that were scammed were scammed, that they were reimbursed. I didn't want anyone losing money on my site. 
So I would make sure that their products were there, even if I had to do it out of pocket. I usually didn't. I had enough contacts that they would front me that or they would give me the items and I could give it to the members who were scanned. So everyone remained happy. Nigel started scamming people and he was good at scamming people. I mean, he was, for some reason, people believed the kid. He was able to steal money from him and everything else. And I was like, my idea at that point was, and I did this with everybody that was a scammer. If you can scam my members, you have some benefit to our community. Can I turn you around? Can I get you to be a legitimate criminal on the site? A legitimate criminal. <laughs> now there's an oxymoron oh, for yeah. you. Oh, yeah. So... I actually ended up turning Nigel around. Sent him some templates, taught him how to make fake how how to make real fake IDs instead of this the fake fake IDs he wasn't selling to anybody. I taught him how to make real fake IDs, <laughs> and he started providing a very competent Arizona driver's license and a Texas driver's license to people. So he he's he's in Utah at this point, and he's wanting to connect with some people. He ends up becoming friends with Poof, friends friends. And Poof's like, I tell you what, man, why don't you come over to Denver? We're going to Savannah. You can join us. Nigel's like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So he goes to Denver, meets with Poof, and they're all staying at the Marriott. Now, they're all at the Marriott. Meanwhile, I get a call one day from Midhack, where Kim Taylor, my second-in-charge MacGyver, is living. Midhack actually calls me on the phone. Gollum? You have to get this son of a bitch. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, man, the only thing this guy's doing is he's sitting there all day long popping ecstasy. That's it. And I'm like, what? He's like, man, that's the only thing he does. He doesn't talk. He doesn't do anything. He's just got a a supply of, of ecstasy, and he's popping it all day. Now, Kim Taylor was 46 years old at this point. 46. That's rough on the heart at any age. Yeah. Yeah, but the older you get. Mm. And and Midhack is married. And Midhack is not, yeah, he's a criminal, but he's not a drug user. He's not a wild child. He's kind of just this little conservative Utah guy. <laughs> so he doesn't know what to do about this. He's like, you got to get this son of a bitch. And I'm like, I got you. Get Kim on the phone. I was like, you got to go. He's like, what are you talking about, man? I was like, you got to go. You have worn out your welcome there. And he's like, well, where am I going to go? And I was like, I don't know. Why don't you go back to Denver? And he's like, well, I don't have a car. They confiscated the car in Issaquah. (laughs) I'm like, I'll send you the money for a bus ticket. You got to go. So he's like, okay. Is there anyone in Denver? And I was like, Poof's there. Do you really want to hook up with Poof? Oh, yeah, I like Poof. I'll, I'll... So MacGyver goes to Denver and starts living with Poof in the Marriott. By this point in time, Poof has been in Denver for three weeks. And I'm like, are you not coming any further than Denver? And he's like, well, I, I like Denver right now. I'm just you know, taking a break. Because that, that drive from Los Angeles to Denver, man, that, that wore me out. <laughs> Little did I know what he's doing is, is he's popping. He's, he's on meth constantly at this point. So MacGyver gets to the Marriott in Denver. MacGyver's on X. Poof's on meth. Nigel's probably on meth at this point. MacGyver starts running checks. He wants to go into paper. So my rule, what I and, and Shadow Crew was this teaching environment. What I said was, is hey, never 
Never run paper. Why would you ever run checks that can be tracked too easily? It's got, your, it's got all this evidence against you right there. Never run checks. Why, just stick with credit. You're, you're perfect with credit. MacGyver starts running checks. Not only does he start running checks, he does payroll checks. He takes the payroll checks down to Safeway, buys Marriott gift cards with the checks, takes the Marriott gift cards back to the Marriott where he's staying, pays his hotel bill with the stolen gift cards. The question is, is how long does it take law enforcement to track that down? About a week and a half. <laughs> so, and it was it was bad. By this point, Nigel has used stolen credit cards to rent a vehicle. Not only did he rent the vehicle, he decides he's going to keep the vehicle at the Marriott. So the cops one day, as they're as they're actually tracking down the gift cards, the cops see Nigel crawling out of the window of the hotel room where he's staying. So they pop him. They figure, oh, he's the son of a bitch that's got the stolen car. So they get him. The next day they come in to the hotel room, arrest Poof, Poof's wife. MacGyver gets out of it. How? To this day, I don't know how. I know that everyone was arrested but MacGyver. But MacGyver. So that's what happened. He gets out of it. Whether he was able to say, I'm not staying there. You know, I'm just passing through whatever the hell he gets out of that. Wonder if he was smart enough to rat on him. Could have been. And bargain. It could have been. You know, this is what I know. This this is where they got all their stuff. Everything. I don't know, but they let him walk out of that at that point. And I'm sure he had some fake IDs. He probably showed the cop a fake ID, so he didn't. It didn't connect him to the outstanding charges up in Issaquah at that point. But he gets out of that. So. Here's what was going on with me. By this point, I know everything is going south. And I am scared to death because I'm the top guy. And I was actually worried about RICO charges. About, you know, so as a RICO, under RICO, you're responsible for every single crime that's committed by that group. Well, we had a group of 4,000 people. And I was worried about, okay, I'm going to be charged with every single crime that everybody's committing. Right. And I'm going to get a lot of time. At the same time, I'm doing this tax return fraud, and I'm stealing $160,000 a week, and I'm like, I don't need this anymore. I know things are going to go bad. I've got the text messages from the Secret Service investigating this. Now, I didn't know that Albert Gonzalez had been arrested, but I knew things were going to go bad quickly. So what I do is, April 16th, 2004, I'm sorry, April 15th, 2004, I announce my retirement shadow crew because <laughs> it's tax day, <laughs> tax day. <laughs> and I step aside um, I report I, I banned MacGyver from the website I let every one of the mods and admins know exactly what was going on with MacGyver and I told him I was like hey I, I simply cannot stick around to fix this you guys have to fix this I informed because Albert Gonzalez was our forum techie I informed him exactly what MacGyver had been doing and the dangers of everything that was going on there. Told him not to let him back in. Well, by this point in time, Albert was already working for the Secret Service. What's the problem? Ah. So I step away. I actually end up over at Carter Planet for about a month as an admin over there and step away from the site. 
That is how I avoided the arrest. So what happened was, Albert's already working for the Secret Service. He hadn't in instituted the, the whole Secret Service plan, and it was Albert who came up with the plan. The whole Secret Service plan was to start a VPN and have all the illegal information and traffic go through that VPN. VPN would be owned by the Secret Service. They would capture all the data, the drop addresses, the IP numbers, everything else coming through that, and be able to build cases against people. Because I stepped out of Shadow Crew, actually retired from Shadow Crew before that VPN was instituted, they never had any real evidence on me, enough to build a case. So that's what happened there. So I stepped away. MacGyver, the next week, comes back to Shadow Crew. He contacts Albert Gonzalez, the forum techie. Albert's already working for the Secret Service, so they tell him, hey, let his ass back in here. We need him. We want a case against him, too. So Albert lets him back in. Not only that, but Albert starts saying, oh, you know, that Gala, man, can't trust him. Can't trust him. You know, I think he lied completely on on, on MacGyver. He was, he, that can't be right. MacGyver's a good guy. I believe him completely. <laughs> Not only did he do that, but anyone who questioned what was going on, because my name at that point was top-notch. If I said something, you could take it to the bank. So what Albert does is anyone who actually questions what Albert's saying, Albert bans them. Because the perception of truth is more important than the truth itself. Right. So Shadow Crew goes on to make the front cover of Forbes, August 2004. Headline, Who's Stealing Your Identity? When it happened, I was still, I had a couple hidden identities that I was using. When we found that magazine, when we made the front cover of that, the response was initially one of, yes, we've done it. <laughs> and within minutes, it was also one of, oh shit, this cannot be good. Because we didn't understand at that point that, yeah, Forbes, they had already spoken to the Secret Service. Secret Service was like, yeah, why don't you run that story? Why don't you go ahead and do that? So Forbes ran with the story. October 26, two months later, Secret Service arrests 33 people in six countries in six hours. And guess what son of a bitch got away? Brett Johnson. Brett Johnson was the only person mentioned as getting away. Of course, they didn't use my name. They used the Gollum Fund name. And that was it. They picked me up February 8th, 2005. And they give me a job. Thank you for listening to this episode of Anglerfish. I appreciate it. If you like it, please subscribe and drop me a line saying hello. Hello is always good. You can reach me direct at brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. That's Brett, B-R-E-T-T, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at anglerfish, A-N-G-L-E-R-P-H-I-S-H.com. Please tell your friends about us, rate and review the Anglerfish podcast wherever you can. In the next few weeks, we'll be launching Season 2 of Anglerfish, which will examine the darkest corners of our online lives and what you need to do to remain safe. Please email me questions, comments, concerns, personal stories, and any topics you might like to hear discussed. That's brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Brett Johnson. Stay safe, stay secure, and stay vigilant.